Shavua Tov, everybody, and welcome to Parashat Tetzaveh. If you had an audience with God, and you had only five minutes, and you could ask only one question, what question would you ask? You've got plenty of time to think this over in advance. And after a while of pondering this, you may begin to realize question after question, no, that's not really the thing I want to get at. God, do you exist? God would say, well, of course, yes, here I am. Uh, Am I having a hallucination? No. Well, how can I be sure that this isn't a hallucination? And eventually you reject all that sort of question. And when you finally get right down to it, you don't know what to ask. There is a sort of question in your mind, not so much a question as a questioning, a feeling of it's also unbelievable. It's amazing. I wonder at it. I marvel at it. It is a miracle that there is anything at all. In modern times, it seems we are so engrossed in our lives, in our everyday toils and tribulations, that we forget about this marvelousness of the world. We simply take it for granted that there is a world in the first place. And so often, this mundane nature of life leaves us feeling meaning-hungry, trying to fill a void within ourselves that never quite seems to be filled. No matter what we consume, who we invite into our lives, whatever we are doing for work, we feel that the mundane just is not all that special. And then, of course, there are times when we do feel inspired, when we look out at an unbelievably purple sunset, or a perfect mountaintop, or a pristine body of water, and we find ourselves filled with what Freud called the oceanic, a sensation of eternity, a feeling of being one with the external world as a whole. And as always, the days pass, mundane life kicks back in, and we fall back into the same old habits and thought patterns as before, taking it all for granted, forgetting to marvel at the world, and again, feeling that same spiritual sense of emptiness we felt before, frustrated that we've lost that spark. So the question I've always been left with is, what is the cure to this cycle of meaning and lack of meaning? How do we hold on to a life of continued inspiration and spirituality? How do we cultivate this most precious component of our souls? How do we nourish our deepest essence the same way we felt nourished on the mountaintop or by the lake or during that beautiful sunset? And so I took a deeper look at this week's parasha. And I started to notice the level of detail that the Torah goes into for the manufacture of each of the priestly garments. Most of us are very bothered by these parashiyot, terumah, tetzaveh, vayakel, pekudeh. We get lost in the details. We feel that they are not really resonating with us. Where's the story? Where's the inspiration? Where is the sense of real meaning? Why the endless focus on these mundane details? We start to notice that same sense of lacking inspiration that we feel when life in general becomes too mundane. Sometimes we look in the text and we think we've finally found the meaning of one of these rituals, the symbolism of the garments or utensils, but then we're left with an even bigger question. What about the rest of the details? We've answered for a small subset of the details, but the vast majority of them are still totally unaccounted for. And so it is with life. We find meaning in some grand events, but we fail completely 
in our attempt to find meaning in the rest of the story in the nitty-gritty details. So with these questions in mind, I began to pay closer attention to the words of the Torah. And I noticed there's an almost sing-song quality that the Torah takes on when discussing so many of these beautiful garments. Listen to the sing-songness of that statement. It's describing the bells on the bottom of the me'il. And it quickly became clear to me what I was missing all these years. That's when it really hit me. We are so busy trying to fit the Torah into our framework, our preconceived notion of what's meaningful and what's not, what must symbolize what. We forgot to take the Torah on its own terms. The details of these rituals and the accompanying garments are beautiful and meaningful in and of themselves. They need not justify themselves. We live in a culture today in which we insist that everything we do fit the mold of an outstanding life, a life in which the mundane must constantly be raised to the infinite. We must have a relationship in which we are constantly enraptured in love, a job in which we are constantly passionately fulfilled, and hobbies that constantly make us feel we are at the cutting edge of creativity. But what if that's not what we humans need to do? What if by setting the standards so high and insisting how extraordinary our daily lives must be, we've shot ourselves in the foot and we will then never be able to achieve any real sense of meaning? What if the mundane is holy in and of itself without needing extrinsic meaning forced upon it? What if we accepted the small details of life that make it so beautiful without forcing them to be more than they are? What if the simple knowledge that God created all of it was enough to bring meaning into all the mundane details of life? When I go to a Yankee game and feel like I've had the time of my life, it's not only because Derek Jeter hit that walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth. It's because of all the mundane details being brought to the game as a gift from my dad, the smell of the stadium, and the taste of those delicious hot dogs. The ambient sound of the crowd in between pitches, the impossible green of the outfield grass, all these details conspire to make the experience a transcendent one. And so it was in the Mishkan, Lehavdil. Every detail was like another note in the grand symphony we were composing to honor our Creator Hashem, meaningful in their totality. I recently watched the movie Soul, and I was literally moved to tears. I was embarrassed with my friends at how much I was crying from this beautiful movie. At one scene in particular, from the end of the movie that I really cried from, when the protagonist realizes that all this time, the mundane elements of his life were themselves the holiest parts of his existence. As he recalled the simple joy of seeing the sunlight shining through the subway windows, or enjoying a simple snack, on a Tuesday at work. This felt like the ultimate redemption of life as a whole. No longer did I feel this burden of demanding that life be more than it is. If I simply approach life without insisting that it achieve extraordinariness, I could learn to love and appreciate the simplicity and beauty of life's mundane ordinariness. 
what Eliyahu Hanavi learned at the top of Hara Karmel, finding God in that still small voice, the Kol Demama Daka. So let's return to the question we began with. What is the cure to that vicious cycle of meaning and meaninglessness, extraordinary and ordinary, outstanding and mundane? How do we regain our sense of inspiration and spiritual fulfillment? The answer is that we need to learn how to marvel at the mundane to achieve what Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel called radical amazement. He writes, Our goal should be to live life in radical amazement. Get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual is to be amazed. What Heschel is saying is exactly the message that we learned from this week's parasha. That just the very fact of existence itself should amaze us. The details of the rituals themselves are worth marveling at, not necessarily because of some obscure extrinsic symbolism, but on their own terms. Beautiful simply because they are. Beautiful in light of their being commanded by the master of the universe. I recently started reading a book called Ikigai, recommended to me by my beautiful cousin Erwin Dan, really the biggest Sadiq that I know. And this book Ikigai is the Japanese secret to a long and happy life. And this book explores how it is that the Japanese are able to maintain such a deep sense of their Ikigai, their unique purpose and passion in life, and how this leads directly to a life of happiness, longevity, and profound meaning. And the key to all of it is that Japanese culture recognizes that we humans are ritualistic beings. We need the structure and mundane detail of ritual in order to truly get into the zone. To achieve a state of flow, we need to be engrossed in the ordinary, repetitive processes that make up our daily lives. One simple way of cultivating this is through mindfulness meditation or even learning more about physics to be able to be in awe of the natural world or even doing that simple uh, stoic meditation in which you do negative visualization. You imagine whatever is in front of you would not be there and then you restore it into its existence and appreciate it just for being there. Or even a simple commitment to halakha. It's not about adding an external meaning to life or insisting that life be extraordinary but simply about noticing the details of existence all around you. And this is more than enough to be in awe and marvel at the simple beauty that's always all around us. So to come full circle, when you get right down to it, the only appropriate question to ask when interviewing God is not a question at all. It's about looking at the world with a constant sense of questioning a curiosity towards the mystery of existence itself, training ourselves to be radically amazed, not by the great turning points of life, but instead by being mindful of the grandeur of existence as it is. Just the knowledge that God created it and has a purpose for all of it is enough to make all the mundane details meaningful, just like my experience at Yankee Stadium. It's about cultivating our ikigai through the mundane ritual 
appreciating the details of the Torah and of our lives, not because of some forced external symbolism, but simply because they are. Thank you very much. Shavuot Tov.